Liquid Courage, the podcast where I, Amanda Pereira, sit down with a fellow female artist that I admire and ask them the questions I've never had the guts to ask them before. Sounds scary? Well, it is. So I use a little liquid courage in the form of their favorite drink. We cheers, chat, and connect as I attempt to soak up all the wisdom these women have to offer. Today I sit down with MK Morris and enjoy my first ever dark and stormy. MK is a writer, content creator, an AD, a burrito enthusiast, and a woman I admire immensely. I looked up like five recipes for dark and stormies because I wanted to make sure I made it right. Mm-hmm. I think I made mine really, st- I haven't tasted it yet. It smells strong. I'm very excited. Yes. There are also, there are so many different recipes. Like I find that I, the way I do it is yes, ginger me. beer. I do ginger beer, spiced rum, a little bit of lime juice over tons of ice. Keep it simple. Mm, but there's like, yes. there's a recipe that I found where they add like egg white to it. There oh. Anyway. Not a fan of that. No. Uh, okay. I didn't do the egg white. Yes. Classic. I actually, and to confess, one of the ones I found said ginger ale. So I use ginger ale. Is that? I use, I use ginger ale be- today because I just couldn't find ginger Isolation. beer last time I was in the grocery store. Yeah. It's, it's fine. It's, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? I'm actually so glad that you're all okay. So originally I didn't know whether I should say that I used ginger ale because I didn't know if it was, I don't know. Like I didn't want to make it sound like I didn't make the effort. I couldn't find ginger beer. I had ginger ale and I was like, you know what? I need to limit the trips that I'm making during this isolation. Yeah. So I'm actually so glad then we're drinking the same thing because I did the same. I did like lime juice and uh, uh, spice rum and ginger ale. So cheers. I'm going to try it because it smells so strong, but so good. Yeah. I mean, ginger ale is just like, it's the cheap version of ginger beer or like the less, (laughs) the less fancy. It's like the less Harry Potter. It's like the muggle version of. Yeah. This is just a muggle dark and stormy. Muggle dark and stormy. It's actually really good, which like, I guess I love lime. I love ginger ale and I like spiced rum. So like, why wouldn't it be good? Great combo. Uh, this podcast is making me find all these new drinks or like reminding me of drinks that I like. Mm, yeah. Like how, like what are, what have been some of your faves? Um, oh, I, I tried for the first time. I tried a Paloma. A Paloma. Yes. Have you had a Paloma? No, I haven't. Oh, let me tell you, MK. And I'm probably going to get this wrong, but it's like, it has tequila and you do like the salt rim around mm. salt, I think. Yeah. Salt. Mm-hmm. And then it's fresh grapefruit, fresh lime, Ooh. club soda. Uh, I feel like they're triple sec. It, it was it was a more it was one of the more like complicated drinks, like one of the ones that had more ingredients to it. But right. it was and I don't even like grapefruit. So I was a little nervous, like, oh, man, what am I going to be drinking for this like mm-hmm. hour? But it was so refreshing. It's like my oh. new favorite drink in the summer. Yeah. All right. A Paloma. I'll have a to, Paloma. Yeah, I'll have to make it. So. Dear MK, you are like, you have the sweetest energy. I <laughs> adore you. And I've always, I've always had such like a high, um, or a high, I think of you so highly. Yes. I've oh. always thought of you so highly. Anytime I bump into you or we get to talking, I so enjoy it. And then you're just one mm. of those people where I'm like, she's doing so much. She is so cool. <laughs> she's such a lovely person. Like I want to hang out with her. And then oh my God. for insecurity or whatever on my part, I don't follow up. Um, so in preparation for this podcast, I was like, you know what? I feel like I know MK's, I know how MK makes me feel, but I actually don't know that much about MK. Um, 
And so I oh, I kind of love that sentiment, though, of like, oh. that you love how I make you feel. Like, that is, I think that is the most lovely thing. Uh, because Aww. that's, I mean, that's the ultimate goal is just for me is I just want to make mm-hmm. other people feel good. So that's, that's really nice to hear. Oh. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I should have told you that earlier. Maybe I need to start <laughs> telling. Cause when you were saying that, I thought, fuck me too. Like that, isn't that, it's like, how do you make others feel? And a lot of the time you're sort of guessing or you're trying to, you know, act in a certain way to make sure that people feel cared for or heard. And so mm. maybe when we feel cared for or heard, we should just tell people that that's how they made us feel a little more because it'd be nice yeah yeah <laughs> well well yes uh, you just have anytime you're around I just you have such a wonderful energy and I just feel very like safe and taken care of and I feel oh. happy and um when I was researching you then on top of that I'm like I mean of course I know you work in the entertainment industry I know you work behind the scenes I know you're a performer Holy crap, you've done so much. Like <laughs> you you've worked on and with an E, Baroness yeah. von Sketch, The Next Step, Riot Girls, Working Moms, uh, Bajillionaires. I was so nervous to say that word and I knew I would <laughs> stutter on it. You perform, you write, you direct. So I was like, so I guess first I want to know how did you get started in working on set behind the scenes? Um well, also, like, first off, it sounds so much more impressive when you say it all in a list. I think um, it is more impressive than maybe you. I think it's just more impressive than maybe you give yourself credit for because that's pretty awesome. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I boring. Boring is is how I got into uh, the film industry. I went to college for it. And I got a degree and then I started. I actually started one of the first jobs that I had was as a producer's assistant and intern at um, uh, a production company that do mainly um, Hallmark movies and Mm -hmm. uh, Lifetime movies. Um, So I kind of got to see a bunch of the moving parts from that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, I worked on like five Hallmark movies in the span of a summer. Wow. Uh, Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah like that was pretty I mean I I spent most of the time in accounting like it wasn't really that exciting uh either accounting or like like treatment writing um Mm -hmm. I did a bunch of writing for it uh and yeah and then in college I mainly filled the role of AD just because I was good at it Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I kind of just totally fell into that. Uh, and I did a bunch in college. Uh, I, I had like three different thesis projects that I worked on that I wrote and produced uh, and then other ones that I AD'd on. Yeah. And can you can you um, sort of articulate like what is ADing? Oh, yes. Okay. This is something that everyone always asks. Uh, ADing is assistant directing, which is so completely different from being a director's assistant it's stupid uh wording is stupid but basically yeah it it (laughs) makes no sense like everyone's like oh so you want to be a director um and i'm like ah like yes but that has nothing to do with what i'm doing when i'm ading uh the assistant director runs the crew they basically run the movie so mm. they do the schedule for it they make sure everything's uh, running on time running smoothly uh they put it together if you were in theater it'd be the the stage manager mm-hmm. of the show if you were uh, wedding would it be like the wedding planner 
Or is that the director? Yes, exactly. Exactly. Love it. Yeah, like the director of a wedding is the bride. And then the assistant (laughs) director is the wedding planner who actually implements the bride's vision. That's actually a very good analogy. I should start using that more. Oh, please take it. And it also, it makes you like, you're the J-Lo. Like you're the wedding planner. <laughs> I'm the J-Lo of the set. You're like, yeah, oh, I totally exactly. understand it more. You're yeah. like, oh, of course, the J-Lo <laughs> of, of, of I don't the know set. why I didn't think of that. Uh, okay, in reference fabulous. to that 2000s rom-com movie. I, I understand completely. Oh, I love the wedding planner. Okay, so yeah. And how is that different from the director's assistant? So a director's assistant is just uh, someone who assists the director. It's mm. a lot of like making sure they have their binder and running around and getting them coffee and, mm. and you know, and uh, ideally absorbing some of their knowledge. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of director's assistants want to become directors and that's kind of their, they attach themselves to a director and try and learn all that they can by observing mm. them. Uh, mm-hmm. But there's a lot of, you know, in general, in film, there's so much just running around. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, I, in college, I fell into the assistant director position because I was good mm-hmm. at it. Um, and I, I like it. I very much enjoy it. And then after school ended, I kind of worked non-union for three or four years, uh, doing various projects, mm-hmm. honestly, from like, uh, cooking show segments to, children's show PSAs, music videos, commercials, TV shows, a lot of features, Mm. uh, like independent features. That's where I did a lot of work as a second AD, which is mostly Mm. schedule-y stuff and dealing with actors. Uh, And then I joined the union uh, because I got tired of like fighting tooth and nail for being paid the same as my male counterparts. Uh, <laughs> which is a, a real thing. Did you ever find out what the discrepancy was? Did you ever find it like, sorry, oh, I'm being paid half or was 100%. that percent Yes. Oh. I remember this one time I was uh, the production manager. And so mm-hmm. I had the budgets and I had all of the deal memos, but I, I had, the producer was like being really cagey about showing me the actual budget. And I was like, mm-hmm. look, I have the deal memos. I know how much people are making. <gasps> I am aware that I'm not making as much as other people. And like, I get it at the time I was, you know, a 24 year old Mm -hmm. girl. So it was like, Mm -hmm. ah, we can take advantage of uh, her skills. Um, And and sorry, can I ask you that when you're like, I, you know, I'm being paid less and I get it. Was the, I get it. The feeling, was it that you felt young? Was it that you were like, well, I'm a woman. Like, what was the feeling of like, I get why you're paying me less. Oh, 100%. It was both. It was, mm. it was, I'm slightly newer. I'm not mm. in a union. So mm. I have to, yeah, being in a union makes it quite easy because all of your rate is standard. So if you want right. to negotiate above that rate, you totally can. I have lots mm-hmm. of friends who do because, uh, you know, their skills are were well worth it. Uh, mm-hmm. Like if you have a second AD doing a third AD job, usually they'll kind of negotiate a higher rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, when you're non-union and also when you're young and you're new to the business and you're working job to job, you, you know, you get a rate and you think, great, I'm getting money. So, Mm -hmm. uh, so definitely a learning curve. I mean, you know, you kind of have to pay your dues a little bit, Mm -hmm. but joining the union, I was like, oh, why didn't I do this sooner? Uh, I do like having both of the experiences though of non-union and union, because when Mm -hmm. I was working non-union, I would have a larger role, more responsibility, but it was craziness. 
and less money. Whereas in the union, like there's some days where it'd be like, okay, your whole job for the day is to stand on this corner and make sure no one goes that way. Yeah. And you're oh going to make $300. Yeah. yeah. I remember I once did, um, I PA'd on like a Hallmark movie. Um, I remember showing up and like you said, it's, you know, most of working on a movie is running around. I remember showing up. It was day six of filming. I didn't have a script. I didn't have a title. I had no idea what the show was about, like the movie was about. <laughs> yeah. And one of the- There's still one... things that I've worked on that yeah. I have no idea what they were about. No, I, I don't know. know. Oh my God. And it was like, it was chaos. I'm like, I got there. First of all, it wasn't chaos for anyone else. Like they were uh, like organized chaos. They knew what they were doing. I came mm. in I was told to report to somebody. And I remember one of the first things they asked me to do was um, go. They just sort of pointed out to the field. We were out in public in like a park. And they said, go over there uh, and be on your walkie talkie. So I was like, I can do that. So I went over and stood. And then on the walkie talkie, they said, um, Amanda, uh, lock up the set. I had no idea what that meant. Oh, no. And so I went to ask. But I was like, you can't ask questions over the walkie. And I didn't know what to do. And somebody walked by and I they were furious with me They're like why Amanda why is someone walking and that's how I learned oh locking up the set is you don't let anybody walk past you into the scene but yep. it's just it's it is chaos I got asked to place a hundred extras I didn't even know what the scene was about and I asked I asked oh, someone Lord. like where do you want me to place them like are they at a party are they and they were like they literally said I don't know what the guy's name was Peter let's say uh, the person who told me to do the job just yelled out in front of the crew, Peter, can someone show Amanda how to do her job? And I was just like, yep. okay, you just, you just suck it in. You try to make, you're going to make mistakes. You make the least amount of mistakes as possible. And I have never been so exhausted at the end of the day. Like I yeah. was. That's, that's, but yeah, that's, that's definitely like a job I have done so many times. <laughs> it's like, okay, going to be yelled at for 16 hours, but then I get to go home. Well, then at the end of the day, I got an email from the, I think it was the production coordinator who had booked me. And she was like, the, the AD raved about you. She was so happy to have you there. And I was like, she yelled at me. What? Okay. Great. Oh, yeah. Like it's so confusing. Oh yeah. She probably thought you were great. You didn't ask questions on the walkie. Great. <laughs> yeah. You I didn't argue back yeah. after being yelled at. Yeah. Ideal. I, she asked me to do something and I said, um, I said, yep, no problem. And she goes, she said something about like, we don't need so many words. So then the next time she asked me to do something, I said, yes. And she said, Amanda, it's copy. I was like, (laughs) copy. I was so scared. Um, Can I ask you, so for the Hallmark movies, I know they film, like they can film so many of them in succession, like you said, in the summer. How Mm. long does like a typical Hallmark movie take to film, do you think? Um, It depends. Like it depends on the budget. A lot of Mm -hmm. the ones coming out of smaller companies are like, two million a movie uh which is pretty low budget um and they they'll film like four of them in succession uh and they each take eh, like four weeks i guess ah no probably less like three weeks that's pretty quick yeah they're pretty they they pump them out like it's yeah yeah wow and on um on cooking shows like what do they do with the leftover food like do people get to eat it um, I don't know for a lot of cooking shows, but like for us, yeah, I still, oh. we were doing, uh, for that one, I was actually doing, I think I was decorating cakes. Like I was, what? I was decorating these mason jar cakes and I got to keep a bunch of mason jars and I got to keep a bunch of icing and sprinkles 
Like all of the decorate stuff. Yeah. Like what is that? What's a mason jar cake? It's just a cake that's in a mason jar. It's It looks cute. <laughs> it's And you like yeah. eat it with a spoon? Yeah. Oh my God. I feel like a child. That, that. Yeah. <laughs> you eat it with a spoon? Yeah. It was Ooh. super cute. We put like little like bows on the thing. I think it was maybe autumnal themed. I can't remember. Um, but yeah, that was a good day. That makes me happy that they don't, well, that you guys like didn't waste it. Sometimes I look at them. I'm like, it, it, look how much the judges love that. Please don't throw that out. Like give it to somebody. Someone's yeah. hungry. Although there is, I mean, there's so much waste in the film industry. Like things do get completely wasted. But yeah. I will, I mean, I'll, I'll like, <laughs> I remember we were filming this kid's show and there was, um, there was in specifically in the scene, they had to rip the top off, off of a pancake a mix box and mm. so they did like four takes of that so they had to have so many pancake mix boxes that they had to you know destroy uh in the thing uh oh my gosh i made up i made off like a bandit i had pancake <laughs> mix for life after that yeah like if you're friends with the art department like i yeah they would give me like th- this show like it was a kid's show so there was always like you know oh there's like five cream pies for you know that segment where they pie each other. Yeah. So like I made off with pies. I, yeah, oh. there was always desserts. Oh, oh that sounds amazing. Oh yeah. my gosh. So for a lot of people, I think who get into entertainment, especially like on screen entertainment, whether it's movie, TV, reality shows, anything. Um, a lot of the time, what gets you into it is you watch it on TV, like as an audience member. And then you think, I want to do that. But I wonder because you don't know all the behind the scenes of how it's made. And then once you get into that role, sometimes you realize like, oh, this has nothing to do with why I loved it and wanted to be a part of it when I watched it. (laughs) Yes. So I wonder like, what's the thing that surprised you the most? Or what's the thing that's the most different than you thought it would be when you when you got into making TV and movies? Oh, wow. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm a little I. I so don't want my my heart to harden, but I am yeah. a little bit jaded, mm-hmm. I have to say. After, I mean, it's been, yeah, it, it was three or four years working non-union, about mm-hmm. four or five years working in the union. So I, almost a decade working in the film industry. And like, yeah, it's soul crushing at times. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, the things that I have spent the past few years choosing to work on, less so because... I've just been more mindful about what I agree to work on. Mm. Um, so like things like Baroness von Sketch, which is like the light of my life Aww. and gave me such energy and 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 hope. Uh, it's projects like that that kind of keep you going uh, mm-hmm. through kind of not so great projects. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, different. I mean... God, the thing that's the most different, I think, is just, yeah, is how much of a military it is. Like, it's very, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, when you're an AD, it's kind of like being in the army, Hmm. you know, like you got your first AD and you report to them and you just say copy. And even if you're, you know, being given shit to eat, you just, (laughs) you eat it and you say copy. Yeah. Yeah. and yeah, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that was probably the most like surprising thing about film mm-hmm. is that it's like it it takes, you know, 20 sweaty depressed people to make like two actors look real good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then at the end of it you might, you know, 
that's that's the thing that can be so surprising is like you watch something you watch a five minute comedy short that you think is so funny and you're like I want to go into making that and you get in and it's like you were inspired by the creativity of it and the fun of it and sometimes it can be much less creative and flexible and way more militant like you said Mm-hmm. Well, and yeah. saying that, I mean, speaking specifically about sketches, because in the mm-hmm. past couple of years, I've really focused, really switched my focus to working on my own creative stuff and helping mm-hmm. other people uh, make their stuff. Like, for example, I work a lot with Wishful Genies uh, and Identical Twins Productions doing mm-hmm. their com- comedy sketches. Um, and that's been so lovely. And it's mm-hmm. it's nice to be able to take my experience as an AD and and use it positively on a mm-hmm. set, mm-hmm. Uh, which is nice. And I, I mean, I think, I don't know, there's a, there's a whole trope of ADs who are sour and awful. And like, I've heard uh, this, this joke, um, what's, a, what's an AD's contraception? Their personality. Oh. Which is, I mean, yeah. So I, but yeah. I personally feel like I don't need to, to do that i don't need to yell to be heard uh Mm -hmm. i can be like a mothery ad so Mm -hmm. that's that's the vibes that i want to bring to film Mm -hmm. Uh, and i feel like slowly if you just approach things with a different perspective you can change things within so Mm -hmm. absolutely well and you're going to create spaces that you want to work in and then that's going to you know, magnetically attract people who want to also work in those spaces and just in the end, make it a more like enjoyable environment for you. Yeah, exactly. Because I feel like, why not? Why the hell not? You know? Yeah. And so how much control do you have over the next project? Like, let's say you're working on a show and you hear Baroness Von Sketch is coming out with a new season and you're like, fuck, I want to work on that. And let's say you haven't worked on it yet. I want to work on that set. Um, And Honestly, I feel like a fucking idiot asking you this because I'm an actor and I really should know this <laughs> stuff. Um, and this is the kind of stuff that I wish I asked people who I know, <laughs> maybe not on recording, but I'm just going to admit I don't know much about it. Um, so how do you go about applying for that job or trying to get on that set? Okay. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to give you a helpful answer and then I'm yeah. going to give you an honest answer. So <laughs> okay. a helpful a helpful answer <laughs> Uh, when you want to work on a set, the person who does the hiring is the production manager in general or mm-hmm. someone within your department. So like if you were a grip and you wanted to work with the grips, you would, you know, go through your union and find out who's the key grip and then, you know, send them an email. But mm-hmm. in general, like if you just wanted to work, you would you would contact the production manager. If you were an AD and you wanted to work as an AD, you would probably contact the second AD because mm-hmm. the first AD is busy with shit. Um so that's that's who you would want. And, and that that information is usually uh, posted while they're in uh, pre-production. There's mm. a, a thing called a hot list uh, and it, it's uh, it'll give you all the information of the, the production company uh, and who the production manager is. And you can you can find out how to contact them. Mm-hmm. So that's a helpful answer. <laughs> um, I never apply to jobs ever. Um, I am. I am very lucky. Uh, I kind of just fall into situations um, and then work my ass off to, <laughs> to you know, uh, pretend like I'm supposed to be there. Uh, but it's it's true, though. In, in every job that I've gotten in the past, like, six years, um, it's been someone asking me, like, hey, 
I have, I'm ADing this thing. Do you want to work with me? Or, mm. um, or like with Baroness, uh, the executive assistant of the Baronesses, Erin Conway, who is a goddess. Oh my gosh. I very much miss working with her. Uh, mm. But she, yeah, she sent me an email and was like, hey, we need an onset uh, assistant for them this year. Are you interested? Yeah. And same with like, I've gotten jobs by accidentally turning them down. <laughs> like I, I got, <laughs> I got offered a job as a PA on a show. Uh, and I was like, oh, like I'm not really PAing. Because uh, it was, I, I can't remember. I was like, oh, I'm not really PAing right now. Uh, I kind of just want to do dailies because um, PAing can be kind of thankless. Uh, it's a mm. lot of running around. And I was just like, eh, I think I, you know, don't want to. And they were like, oh, well, we're also still looking for a fourth AD uh, with this pay raise. And it's an air in an air conditioned studio all summer. Go MK. And I was like, "Uh, maybe. I don't know. And they were like, (laughs) there's kids. It's it's a short shoot. Uh, And I was like, "Okay." (laughs) so I fell into it like it's. I yeah stuff like that where it's just I'm very very lucky um I don't know I don't know if that okay so I I totally get why you would say I've just gotten lucky but I also think nobody is going to ask someone if they want to work with them or work with people that they are responsible for if they don't think highly of them or if you haven't already gotten a reputation with them or someone they know that warrants them asking you to work with them again that is i mean yes that is true yeah there's that old saying long hours like it's people don't (laughs) i don't want to be stuck with someone who i don't jive with for 15 hours a day honestly that's my greatest skill i think is just being nice like i'm Mm -hmm. oh you won't mind being around me for 16 hours Oh, and what were you going to say? I interrupted you. What's the old uh, saying? Oh, well, there's this old, I can't remember who said it, but uh, it's the harder I work, the luckier I get, Aww. Uh, which is so true. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, like you said, like, I mean, yeah, those offers did happen, but it's after like, I might've survived like an 18 hour day with them where I like kept my spirits up or I don't know, didn't freak out about mundane things or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you never know. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do think that like, yes, sometimes there is professional luck. Absolutely. Mm. But I think a lot of the time, because acting jobs or any artistic jobs can sometimes be so sporadic that it might feel more like luck. I really think so much of it is actually just clout that you've worked your ass off (laughs) to gain. And it's just coming deferred. You know what I mean? Like, you didn't get it a year ago. But like, it's because of what you did a year ago that you're getting the thing now, Right? you know, and it just... Although luck wise, I will say there are kind of funny, like the universe takes care of you kind of things Mm, where, um, yeah, where I was coming off of a show and I was like, okay, I'm not going to work on anything. I'm going to go to Europe in a little bit. So I got offered a bunch of jobs, uh, and I kept turning them down because Mm -hmm. I was like, no, I'm going to go to Europe because like my friend is doing a big Italy trip for her 40th, blah, blah, blah. I want, I really want to, you know, go for that. Um, and that's when I got the Baroness offer. I was like, oh, baby, this is a dream. Oh, and was it over the, like, would it have been over the Italy trip during the Italy trip? It it would have been, uh, Mm. which is the only reason that I was actually available to take it. And then like, as soon as I went for the interview for, 
for it. My my friend who was having the birthday was like, oh, actually, yeah, postponed uh, like a family <gasps> thing or or something. So I was like, oh my god and I hadn't booked anything so it was yeah it was like okay I have this plan I'm gonna turn down all of this work and then suddenly I'm completely available for Baroness Von Sketch which is my ultimate ultimate dream job it's like you can have your cake and eat it too you can have your mason jar cake and eat it too (laughs) oh my god that's amazing because you're right because if you weren't prioritizing that trip you probably would have been I would have been on another contract easily Yeah, there was a bunch of people wow. from the show that I was on that was going straight on to another thing. It was a busy time. Like there was a bunch of other shows starting up. Wow. Yeah. It shows you too that like saying no when it feels right to say no can actually make it so you get to say yes to shit that you really want to do. Totally. I've gotten way yeah. better at saying no in the past in the past few years. I mean, I'm still not great at it, but it, mm. you know, better. I'm not good either. Like what's the... I guess what's hard about saying no to you, to a job or personally, like what is, what makes it hard for you? Uh, well, there's always the, I think at the root of saying no is always mm-hmm. the fear of letting people down, Yeah, which is silly because often you're saying no to people that you either don't know or don't <laughs> owe anything to. But you know what? Somehow that just doesn't matter. Like I would rather, dis- this is so messed up, but it's like, I would rather disappoint myself than disappoint this stranger who probably doesn't give two shits about me. Like Completely. You know? Completely. Uh, yeah. What like, is that? How messed that up is, is messed that? Up. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Uh, people pleaser kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, there's that at the root of it, but also, you know, feast or famine this industry is is pretty feast or famine so mm-hmm. you want to make sure that you say yes to enough things that you are still working so there's always yeah. that fear that it's like oh nothing's gonna come my way mm-hmm. like sometimes if it's quiet I think oh my god what did I say no to that if I would have just said yes then I would have mm-hmm. been working right now but it is yeah, this totally. thing like you know it's that so you know that idea that like it's better to be single than in a relationship and unhappy sometimes with a job I try and tell myself that like it's better to be not working than working on something that's not fulfilling but I don't know if I believe that because sometimes working is just working like I don't know yeah I uh no I I agree with that actually because Mm -hmm. I think a work relationship especially when it's a job that you're at for 16 hours a day that's a relationship you have a relationship with your work and if Mm -hmm. you're unhappy with that relationship is it worth it that's I mean that's a personal value that's a thing (laughs) that I've come to over years and years of working in the industry and also years and years of therapy so (laughs) that's a thing that I think every person has to individually decide what is worth for them you Mm -hmm. know is that paycheck worth the struggle is and Mm -hmm. and there are certain people um like there are certain people that I won't work with anymore Mm -hmm. uh like nope I have decided working with this person or on this kind of project it is not worth it to me Mm -hmm. and I value my mental health more Mm. like even if I were to not work during that entire period of time while that project is filming Mm -hmm. that is more valuable to me I think that's so amazing do you find it easy when you promise yourself something do you find it easy to stick to your word to yourself (laughs) no (laughs) Uh, yeah me neither that's why I'm asking oh my god MK I'm so fucking bad at it if I tell you that I am going to like if I tell you I'm gonna create a whole garden for you and it's gonna take me 30 hours I will do it no matter what because I told Mm. you I would do it if I tell myself I'm gonna plant one fucking tree I'll just be like no you know what I should probably do something else like I I don't I don't and you know what I heard this um speaker and he was saying like 
imagine a friend who says, hey, do you want to hang out tomorrow? And then they always cancel on you constantly. Then eventually when they say, do you want to hang out? Their word is going to mean nothing to you. But that's the same as yourself. Like you, you're losing integrity and respect for yourself. You don't believe when you say something. So if I say, yeah, I am going to start that podcast. If I just keep not doing it, then when I say, you know what, I'll start it this year. Really, that little voice inside is like, fuck you. You're not going to start it. You said that for years. Oh, totally. And it's hard. But that's a, I don't know. I think the way that you explain that and explored that is such a good realization to have. Is that it's it's true that like Mm -hmm. your word to yourself, what is that worth Mm -hmm. to you? It's worth way more than I'm currently prioritizing it. Is there a pattern for you where you tell yourself you're going to do something or I'm not going to work with that person, I'm not going to take on that kind of job, and then you cave and you do it anyway? Is it, do you find that it's usually for the same reasons? Mine is usually because I'm worried that that decision will make people feel bad or I question whether it was the right decision to make in the first place. Totally. Both of those things. Mm. Both of those things. And also just usually, you know, if I haven't been taking care of my my mental health, like, you know, mm. I haven't been doing that. I haven't been doing that therapy session or doing that yoga and my my brain is not energized enough to make the healthiest choice for myself, Yeah, I think. Uh, but I mean, I have gotten better. Like there are yeah, there, I've said no to a bunch of stuff just in the past year and I felt really mm-hmm. good about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but definitely if it is a, a thing that I want to accomplish that I'm worried about not accomplishing, mm-hmm. accountability buddies, 100% for sure. Ooh, what is, is an accountability buddy? What does that mean? Oh, I, I do this all the time where like if I have a task that I want to accomplish, like right now I'm editing a short film mm-hmm. and I ha- had not been working on it. So I just asked two of my friends, I was like, hey, um, can you just like bug me about these, this? Can you like ask me what my status is on these? And so I have to actually give updates. So like, I feel guilty, Mm -hmm. you know, like if they're like, oh, what, what's your status? Like, what have you done since we last talked? I will feel guilty about not working Mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know, you know, in the deep, deeper scheme of things, I'm still attaching value to another person's uh, judgment of myself rather than my own value. So like, I'll have to work on that. But it is handy for accomplishing tasks. Well, and listen, like self-growth, speak therapy, self-growth, like lately, all I'm complaining about to my therapist is how long it's taking me to change habits that I don't like. Like, why is it that when you acknowledge Mm. something about yourself that you don't like, it doesn't just change? So (laughs) I know. But self-growth is slow. And so I don't know, maybe it's because it seems like we share a lot of the same sort of habits. But I think it's sort of strategic to be like, okay, I told myself I'm going to do something. How am I going to set myself up in this moment to best accomplish that thing for myself? Well, right now, I'm still, you know, I'm likely to feel more guilty if I tell somebody else I'm going to do something. So I'm going to do that right now. Like, it's not like you're just, yeah. And oh man, baby, am I all about uh, <laughs> all about those those uh, just like strategies, you know, coping mm-hmm. strategies or mm-hmm. yeah, all all about those strategies for success. Mm-hmm. What do you find are things that you have to do um, to maintain your mental health? Like you talked about yoga therapy. Mm-hmm. What are sort of things that you find like if I don't stick to these, then I'm off balance. So I'm. I mean. You know this, but I am very open about my mental health. I have OCD and depression and anxiety, uh, and I've been diagnosed for 
years with this. Mm. So I've been going to cognitive behavior therapy since I was 13, 13 or 14. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, yeah, I mean, my my journey with mental health has changed, but basically uh, I, right now, currently, in order to maintain it, I'm mm-hmm. medicated, mm-hmm. Uh, which certainly helps. Uh, I go to therapy once a month, whether I feel that I need it or not. Mm-hmm. And yoga, yoga as much as possible. And um, uh like making use of my support net, making mm-hmm. use of my support net and making sure that it's maintained. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like even when I'm not in, I don't know, I, I have like five or six people at least that I could call at any point in time if I was having some sort of panic attack or some sort of breakdown uh, and there would be no questions asked, they would help. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, just making sure to, you know, appreciate that support net and maintain it when I when I don't necessarily need uh, need mental health support. Yeah. Well, I think um, so much of it, yeah. it, too, is like about prioritizing it when it's not in a state of emergency. Mm. You, yes, you know, exactly. Like so so important. Yeah. Like, well, I mean, right now it's the lovely spring uh it's about to become summer so i'm i'm feeling good but usually my my depression will uh act up around november and kind of continue until march so Mm -hmm. i always have uh strategies in place before that like in october me and my therapist will kind of sit down and and uh talk about how i'm feeling then and what i'm i might might be feeling in a few months trying Mm -hmm. to kind of predict what might be coming up uh, because like my depression will attach to, to different things happening in my life. So, uh, so it'll be like, oh, like, oh, I don't have any work coming up. So probably in a couple of months, my depression will be attaching to that. So just kind of like, and then, and then writing down strategies to deal with that. So it's, it's a lot of maintenance and it's a lot of being ahead of the game. And it's a lot of, uh, I don't know, just kind of appreciating my depression as a different part of me mm. as well. Um, as opposed to all of you? Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I mean, even like when you're like a kid or like, um, like you might think of your like OCD or depression as like, you might like have like a puppet that you use that's like, oh, this is my OCD. And, and you mm-hmm. use that puppet to kind of talk out all of your bad thoughts uh, but then you realize like, oh, those bad thoughts aren't my thoughts. That's the puppet's thoughts. That's mm-hmm. that's OCD's thoughts. That's Mr. Grumpus over there. Mm-hmm. He is not me. Uh, oh, I love that name, Mr. Grumpus. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. If you go to my parents' place, you will see a paper bag puppet of Mr. Grumpus. Love Mr. Grumpus. Real great felt tweed. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but no, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of maintenance. It's a lot of... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. To take that step to say, okay, so right now I feel okay, but in a couple months, this is probably what's going to happen. To me, it sounds like that also takes a huge amount of knowing yourself, but also accepting yourself. Because I could imagine, even for my, even for me, if I know, okay, I have, I have small things like that are um, small things. I mean, like smaller events, like something that popped into my head was TIFF. And that's why I was like, it's only 10 days, but I find TIFF every year, I get really bummed out. Oh and I, gosh, in no yeah. way do I want to like, you know, I don't want to minimize depression with the 
like the phrase bummed out. Um, <laughs> no, but it's it's true. It comes in waves. I, I understand. <laughs> yeah, and, and, I, and it's something that I've realized, like I focus so much during TIFF on all the places that I have not, like all the things I haven't accomplished in my career in the last year, you know, and I just focus on wishing that I wasn't upset during TIFF instead right. of just accepting that's how you're going to feel. So let's move past that and actually make plans to care about yourself. Yeah. And well, and God, I love my therapist. He's so good. Mm. Um, And he said even uh, like, it's fine to feel that way. You can choose what to do with Mm -hmm. that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, oh yeah. Like, like, Ooh, uh, I mean, I never get angry. Um, I'm, I'm too emotionally lazy to get angry (laughs) or hold a grudge at all. Uh, so I've I, never heard it said that way. That is an amazing way to say it. I'm just too emotionally lazy to do that. I am. God, yeah. I just don't get angry often. Uh, and so I was going through something where I was like, oh, I'm really afraid that I'm going to be angry at this person. Uh, and he was like, you know, you can feel angry. It's, you're not going to like you can choose what to do with that anger. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh. Oh yeah, I guess you're right. And then and then I felt way better about it. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, I guess it's also just re-emphasizing like it's okay to feel how you feel. Yeah. Which oh, I hate that I still have to tell myself that because I'm like, you're an adult. Why yeah. am I telling myself that still? And also I always want to think that everything is in my control and really like oh, yeah. it is not. Like no. how I feel is not in my control, just my actions are in my control, like your therapist said. So it Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I sound to. so much wiser than than I uh, I am. Uh, you'll probably like edit this together. I'll be like a little oracle <laughs> of mental health. Uh, but I mean, this is through like I mean, this is through years and years of like fucking it up. This is yeah. like a lot of trial <laughs> and error. Uh, and like I did, yeah, I did a a ten day meditation retreat earlier mm-hmm. in my twenties, and it was it was like a silent meditation retreat. And you just meditated for eight hours every day, and it was so hard. Ten day silent meditation retreat. Can make eye contact. No, no, yeah, no physical contact. You just meditated all day long, uh, and were alone with your thoughts for ten days straight. It was very difficult, but that said, now everything else is so much easier. Mm. You're like, listen, you think this is hard. Remember day eight at the retreat? Yeah. Like, Oh my gosh. A piece of cake. Seriously. Like, oh. I almost didn't finish it. Like, mm-hmm. I, yeah, uh, I almost didn't finish it. It was day four. I was sobbing and I went to one of the uh, oh. the gurus that you can yeah. go to. Um, and I was expecting, you know, this lovely piece of wisdom to, to you know, carry me through and they were like you can do this are you a loser no you can do it it's like oh, oh god no. i was Talk so militant like that i is know not... I'm like, i was what? so shocked that i i was like oh i guess okay i guess i'm not a loser and i'm staying oh, okay <laughs> i guess i'm either a loser or i have to stay like okay <laughs> i guess i'm staying yeah but clearly it was oh. what i needed to hear mm-hmm. Mm. uh yeah just so not the like zen wisdom that I was expecting yeah um but what I what I needed clearly and now everything's cake 
Ah, now everything's easy. mason jar cake. It's yeah, all cake. This makes me want cake. I should eat cake after this. I don't have cake. Um, <laughs> how do you find it maintaining what you need for mental health when you're on contract and you're on set? Because <laughs> really making artistic things is not really a great environment for mental health stability often. No, definitely not. Uh, again, support net have mm-hmm. at least one ally on set that you can uh, like rely on Mm, Um, and just being open about it too. Honestly, like I've had, I've had a bunch of panic attacks on set and I've had to work through them. Mm. Um, But being able to tell my superior, like, Hey, this is what's happening. Like I am having a panic attack. Mm -hmm. I am able to work through it, but I need this from you. Um. That's been a huge change is just, mm-hmm. yeah, being able to ask for what I need in the moment. Um, yeah. And then also like dealing with the sheer embarrassment of probably bawling in front of like a hundred people that day. Um, but I mean, it happens, you know, it's mm-hmm. like I'm, I have depression. I still need to do things. Mm-hmm. You're also I mean, yes. And with that, you're a human. Yeah. All of this is so human. You know, it's yeah. like it's. I don't know if this sounds silly, but like I even worry, I worry so often if I'm in um, any sort of like leadership role or Mm. I was working on a project where I like created a show with some people and we were going to film it. And I remember just feeling like, okay, I need to be in control of people. People are trusting me. I don't want to seem weak. And it's crazy when I really think about it and list all the things that I attribute as like, quote unquote, weak. I'm like, okay, well, don't be too wordy in emails and don't need people's approval and don't cry on set. And it's like, <laughs> like the emails thing is a hard or, or like delegating to people. I'm, I am, I very, like I can delegate very easily, mm. but I just, um, yeah, I guess I'm like, are they taking me seriously? I want, I want to be kind, but I also want to be respected. I want people to walk away from working with me and be like, oh, she was a badass, but also she was very nice. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> that is, oh my gosh, that is the key. That's the, that's, that's exactly, I mean, that's what I want as well. I think that's what everyone wants. It's just uh, like, yeah, I just want to be a really nice badass. Yeah. I want to be a badass that you always feel like, you can approach and I'll hug you. <laughs> exactly. Like- exactly. Yeah. I understand that. Especially because it is, I mean, it is harder for women in film um, to be taken seriously. I mean, it's getting better slowly, mm-hmm. but surely. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, but it is a thing about, I mean, gender does definitely play into it being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because you feel like you have to work harder as a woman. You don't want to, you know, be the woman that's crying and kind Mm -hmm. of like ruin it for your for your other ladies (laughs) yeah it's almost like I don't want to give them a reason to not think I'm great oh 100% yeah it's like yeah you have to work twice as hard and be taken half and you're still taken half as seriously you know like it's Yeah. yeah I mean it's sad but it, mm-hmm. it is a reality and it is slowly changing mm-hmm. uh, I feel like I want like I imagine working on sets that are led by females or surrounded by females like I'm thinking of Baroness or like working mm-hmm. moms, working just moms. Think, gorgeous oh, like that would be so fucking awesome 
it is a dream seriously it's so nice and i'm not again i'm not saying here oh you're a woman so you're going to be lovely to work with but there is a level no of i've worked with awful women before right yeah, yeah. and i've just worked with wonderful far... men yes <laughs> you know? like, yeah. yeah yeah some humans are great and some humans are bad exactly. regardless and, of gender and there there is a bit of a level of like feeling a little bit safer because often like if i walk on as an actor crews are often like predominantly male mm-hmm. and so if I'm surrounded by all guys, it is a little bit more intimidating sometimes. I mean, especially mm-hmm. because some of these guys, like if it's a sound guy, sound yep. guy, my God, how <laughs> I just ruined the title there. If it's a sound recordist or now I don't even know what to call it anymore because my hands are sweating and I'm nervous of offending people. <laughs> no, you're fine. Working. Sound recordist, sound, sound assistant, whoever. Sound assistant. Mike and so you, yeah. If it's somebody who, basically, if it's someone who's working in sound department and going to attach the mic to you as an actor, I mean, sometimes they're having to like attach it to the, like the inside of your bra. It's intimate. Sometimes you're going into a side room, just you and that person. Yep. You know, yeah. so. Yeah. And like, I, uh, I, I love like so many of the sound people that I've worked with are Mm -hmm. so great. Like I've gotten really lucky. Um, And because I'm usually with the actors, like I I get to hang out with the sound people a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we had, yeah, we had a discussion once, um, my friend Rob, we were talking about how, like, I was like, you're really good at, um, you know, looking at breasts professionally. Like he, he left with that because so much, like he had just wired like six 20 year old girls Mm -hmm. um and and like he was just like so polite and so professional but like all of the wires had to go in their bras so it was like yeah yeah, like and and like so just like yep like okay that's in the right spot you adjust this like the most I love I love that I love when they say yeah could you adjust they ask or also on top Mm. of it I love when they say like okay so this is sounding scratch, whatever. May I adjust this part? Or this is what I'm going to have totally. to do. And I'm like, totally. oh my God. It's- yeah. Just like so many people think of actors as like meat suits and mm-hmm. it's icky. <laughs> yeah. It is. You know, specifically the creators, like all of the people at Video Village, it makes such a huge difference because you have, you know, like 10 people staring at this tiny screen that is mm-hmm. just you mm-hmm. doing your thing. That's so intimate. Mm-hmm. And like when, I mean, on Working Moms, it's like nine women, one dude. Oh, I love it's that. It's such a different so cool. feeling. Yeah. Such a different feeling yeah. around Video Village. Yeah. Um, yeah, it does. It does make a huge difference mm-hmm. uh, for, for all the actors coming in. Speaking of acting, I want to ask you also about, because you're a performer too, MK. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah. I feel like I've said nothing of interest this entire conversation. Are you and this kidding? All just the lead up to like, okay, great. Now I have to be entertaining and say important <laughs> things. Oh, God. That is wild <laughs> to me that you think that because I was literally sitting here thinking like holy crap this is an awesome discussion like I oh lord good good oh my god and you know what's interesting so many guests so far have said that exact thing to me either during recording or afterwards being like I'm sorry I feel like I really didn't say anything entertaining like I don't think I'm sorry (laughs) if this is a bad episode I'm like what it's, I think it's, it's, uh, it's, it gives, it's giving credit to you because you, you make it feel like just a casual conversation. Oh, MK, you're gonna make me just cry. Just casual conversation between oh. birds. Well, listen, that's what I dreamed of. And I just had to use a 
freaking podcast as my literal liquid <laughs> courage to be like, hey, I want to talk to you, but I have a podcast. Like maybe that will make it worth your while. <laughs> Honestly, it's so much easier. Like even, okay, like we've started live streaming High Hallmark um, and Aurora was on our first live stream. Uh, and like, I even, like I talked to her like on the phone two days before and we just chatted, but it's like, it's like, oh, right. I can just call you. But it's so much easier if we have a thing that we're doing together. Yes. Isn't that weird? It almost makes yeah. it like, here, now I'm worth you spending time with. Which again, totally. like we're talking about, like, I'm sure this isn't the healthiest way for me to, maybe I should just message MK and ask her to go out for coffee, <laughs> but I'm not there yet and I'm working on it. So for right now, we're doing a <laughs> podcast episode. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's hey. so true. I can't wait to watch High Hallmark. Did you want to say what High Hallmark is about so people can go out and watch it? Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. It's Comedians Getting High and Watching Hallmark. The the title is exactly as it sounds. It's <laughs> yeah, it's it's very fun. We have our first season uh available to watch on Instagram and Facebook, and we've started live streaming uh some things uh while we're editing the second season oh my god so exciting okay so I want to ask you about being a performer so I originally met you while we were both doing the conservatory program at Second City in Toronto and so Mm. I met you as a performer and and a writer because in that program you write your own show with a cast and perform Mm. it um but it's funny, I was actually surprised to learn that you worked behind the scenes because I just knew you as a performer. Um, Which is so funny to me because, I mean, I guess until recently, like in, not until this year would I have described myself as a performer. Like people really? were like, oh, so you act? And I'm like, no, 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 no. No, I just do funny voices sometimes. Ah, no, 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 no. You produce <laughs> an improv show. I know. you perform in like I've seen you oh my gosh that's so hilarious why do you think uh, you don't why do you think you don't um you wouldn't call yourself a performer well mainly because I you know that feeling of I don't have the right to call mm-hmm. myself a performer mm-hmm. getting past that deep dive into mm-hmm. therapy uh no it's because you know I I never really wanted to do serious acting I, in high school, I went to a performing arts school for drama and I I very much enjoyed it. I loved uh, what I was learning, but even there I took a film class and I was like, oh no, I want to be behind the scenes Uh, and I want to be the one telling the stories and creating, creating the stories basically. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I fell into improv, totally took a level A class at second city on a whim and then it absorbed my life i uh i only auditioned for conservatory because everyone else was doing it and they were like no one gets in on their first try and i was like oh okay (laughs) so i did it and got in yeah Um, and then i was like oh well now i have to go because like this is really cool um and then it completely took over my life started producing a show at second city uh yeah, but even then it was like, oh, okay, but I do like improv and sketch comedy. It's not like serious acting. Mm, I is, sometimes pretend acting? I'm a Roomba, like, you know. <laughs> the Roomba scene. What would, yes. be, what would be like serious, what would constitute serious acting for you? Oh God, I don't know. Shakespeare, which is funny because I also have done improvised Shakespeare. And like, I love, I'm such a Shakespeare nerd. But 
Like, Improvise yeah, Shakespeare I don't know. sounds harder than doing Shakespeare. Like, let's it be honest. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on. But you have you have so much experience working in so many roles behind the scenes. And yet, yeah, I, I've always thought about you as improviser, as actor, as performer, who also works behind the scenes. It's so funny that, like, you see it so much as the opposite. Of course, you know yourself better than I do, but like, yeah. No, I, but I, I feel like that's so lovely. I really, really mm -hmm. like that you think of me as a performer because I mean, I do like I perform around the city and it, it brings such joy to me. Uh, improv especially is just so special and so mm -hmm. wonderful. Uh, and I, even now I'm like preparing to like, once we're, you know, able to congregate in groups of more than 50, yeah. uh, I'm preparing like to produce a monthly sketch show with a bunch of people. And I did a monthly sketch show for, I don't know, a year and a half with mm -hmm. um, a troupe called Hangry Mob. And like, I, I have, like, I have performed so much, but I feel like because it's, because it's so light and mm. joyous that it's like oh no this isn't acting <laughs> um which is so silly and I think especially watching uh I think especially this year like being on Baroness and seeing the processes of the Baronesses and mm. seeing how much work they put in to each thing and seeing oh god they're just they're really oh they're wonderful to watch uh work like when aurora gets into a character and she'll she'll just stay in that character like in between you know we'll be like they'll be resetting the shot and she's still like in her you know totally in the zone mm. um it's like no this is acting this is yeah. acting just because it's funny it doesn't <laughs> doesn't make it any less i don't know actory absolutely um, like hell yeah yeah but i will say like if I because I don't audition for things and that's a thing I wanted to start doing this year haha <laughs> ha, the universe had other plans um but I mean I, I don't audition for things because I'm terrified uh but if I were to like my dream role to land would be like a new generation of uh bounty towels you know like the sponge towel wait like person. the commercial yeah, like that would be the ideal. You know what I mean? Like if I were to yeah. audition for stuff, that is what I just want to be, you know, in a gum commercial as like a oh. an onion. Beca and that's because so much of acting too, like acting actual jobs that, mm. you know, pay the money. It's like you answer a door or, you know, you have one line or like mm -hmm. you have to like take a file away, uh, you know, but that might, that might pay rent that month. As I'm hearing you talk, like, I so many questions are coming up in my head too of like okay well what constitutes success and what makes it a job because for sketch and improv because once you reach a certain level stage time is very accessible you can mm. I mean you can book your own stage time at an improv theater and pay for it and you know ask all your friends to come and you can put on a show so yes there are of course financial barriers there are barriers but it is more accessible than mm -hmm. getting an on TV role where somebody has to hire you, someone has to give you the job. But I don't think that makes it like you're. Yeah, like, is actor. it the doing of it? In the doing of it, what is, I don't know, a greater success? Having one line on a TV show or doing a monthly sketch show? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but I think success in general is very subjective I oh, have yeah. I have lots of thoughts about success as a concept mm -hmm. what would be like the um 
what would professionally, what would the dream look like for you? You know, would you, yeah. What, what would it look like? Oh, be the new generation of Baroness. Yeah. And you would yeah. be, so would you be show running and acting in it? What, what would be your roles? Yeah. 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 Writing. I mean, the uh, like the Baronesses, they're executive producers, they're directors, they're writers, they're, they're actors. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's the dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do you think's holding you back from doing that? Oh, I think just time, honestly. Mm-hmm. I think I'm I I really enjoy everything that I am doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and especially within the past few years, I have been trying to focus more on what brings me happiness and mm. uh you know, creative um like um I guess what what brings me joy creatively uh so that has meant turning down jobs where I'd be making money in order to shoot you know a series of sketches Mm -hmm. or like I turned down a bunch of work to do a fringe show last Mm -hmm. summer Mm -hmm. um so it's just kind of balancing those out and then making those choices and working towards yeah I guess working towards that Mm-hmm. I mean, sketch comedy in and of itself, as well as improv comedy, uh, has gained a little bit more popularity in mainstream audiences, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Well, and so, in huge part, like, thanks to, of course, SNL and things, but definitely, I think, in in thanks to Baroness, too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I totally feel like Baroness has paved the way for... Yeah for what I want to do in 10 years. You know what I mean? Like that, like what, what they're doing is very uh, special. It's that doesn't always happen uh, Mm -hmm. where you get to, I mean, in working moms where, where Catherine Reitman is, Mm -hmm. uh, is the director and and writer and and executive producer and actor. Like that's amazing. And that's Mm -hmm. like a one woman show. But when you get to work with, uh, I mean, a one woman show that the cast in that show is amazing and wonderful, mm. but you know what I mean? Like she yeah, is totally. really the like, driving force. It. Yeah. Uh, that versus Baroness where it's this uh, collaboration of the, the four of them and each of them in their own right, like each of them directs certain scenes. Uh, but we still had other directors that, that would do the majority of things. Like it was just, it, it's very nice to be able to kind of, I don't know, because I like doing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little mm-hmm. bit of this, I've always feel felt like I don't have an end goal. Like there are certain things that I want to accomplish. I'm a huge goal nerd. I make like one year, five year, 10 year goals and I take oh, notes. Fuck, about, I love that. Uh, yeah. And I'd like take notes about like, oh, what did I accomplish and, and what has changed? Um, but yeah, because I like doing a little bit of that, uh, I'm kind of a jack of all trades. Mm. Seeing the Baroness's work and seeing that that can work and I can do that, it's like, mm. oh my god, yeah, I want, I want to do that. Yeah. Let me do that. Well, and that being a jack of all trades can lead to you getting to do all the things. Like it, it's, I, I often have an insecurity that so when I I wanted to act for like my whole life, yeah. but because I couldn't sort of I couldn't muster the courage or whatever it was to actually just say I want to do this so I'm going to do it I kept getting jobs like in in the periphery of acting Mm. so I would 
PA or I've worked in casting for years or I was a reader or I I I did a whole program like I am a trained script supervisor <laughs> like mm-hmm. not you know I have which lord that is a hard job oh my god it's so hard I did it on a shoot for a web series and a couple things and I was like oh my god I can't keep this up but I did all of these things with the intention of this will make me feel like I deserve to say that I'm an actor. This will make me feel like I know all of the things because I can't be an actor until I know all of the things. I always felt like jack of all trades. What is it? Owner? Fuck. Jack of master all of trades. None. Master of none. Oh, bless you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I always felt like I want to be the master yeah. in acting. And did I fuck up by learning all these other skills or other areas because now I look at people who stuck with specifically training and acting and I'm like, well, look where they are and look where I am. So anyway, I guess this is my long winded ass way of saying, I think seeing, (laughs) seeing these shows where people are wearing these multiple hats and it's Mm -hmm. such a great result. It like is sort of a beacon of light being like, Oh, I maybe didn't fuck up. Maybe I can do multiple things and I can still be a great actor. (laughs) You know, totally. Oh, my gosh. Plus, I I honestly think about I don't know. There is no such thing as wasted time. All time is spent doing something. You have gained something from that experience, whether you realize it or not. Mm. All experiences are worthwhile. I mean, I say that now and then immediately I'm like thinking of examples of like, well, that wouldn't be, oh my God. Um, But you know what I mean? Like I I do think like, yeah, I've done, I've spent so much time doing dumb shit. Like I, yeah, I will like pretend, (laughs) I will go around my house and like pretend to do ASMR with the things that I'm like doing. Are you like I spend? It or are you just doing it like no, just oh, pretending it, just doing it to myself, oh. no one around. So stupid. But because I spent so much time doing that, now I'm like, maybe I'm gonna do an ASMR channel, and then I'll lead itself into that. You know, yeah. like totally or like dumb. Like I'm sure there's a skill that I have that is completely useless. There's there's knowledge that I have that will never be used again. Like, but it's all for something, you know? God, you know what, MK? Like, this might sound pathetic, but I sort of needed to hear that, I think. I I, I actually obsess over wasting time. If I'm working on a project, I feel like I will never let myself stop working on it. And then when I'm like, okay, go relax for a half an hour while I'm relaxing, I'm having anxiety that I shouldn't be relaxing. Mm. And so oh. it's all wasted. And I lay in bed at night being like, oh my God, you're wasting time. See, now you're wasting time not sleeping. And I have a really hard time seeing things as not a waste. Have I, okay, this might help you with mm. seeing things as a waste because even like sometimes I'll just have a sit, you know? Mm. I will do absolutely nothing, just having a sit. <laughs> Uh, have I told you my fallow theory before? No. What is that? Okay. Um, so basically when farmers have crops, Mm. uh, and they, you know, after the harvest, there's a crop, they sometimes have to like leave the field to do nothing for a while so that it can, you know, get its nutrients back, uh, in the soil, uh, you you can't plant anything there. You mm. you just have to let it fallow. That's what it's called. Is is the fallow period? Um, fallow, farrow. It might be both. Anyway, 
You know Whatever. what? I didn't I didn't say anything because I didn't even I've never heard of the word. And I was like, don't be the dumbass who doesn't know what fallow is. <laughs> Oh. Anyways, well, no, because I, yeah, like uh, this is this is also this is coming from my mom. Wiser words have never been said. Uh, thank you, Mama Morris. Oh, uh, but yeah, she was talking about how, like, yeah, that crop needs time to do nothing. It needs that time in order for it to later have a good crop and have have a good harvest. Like, so when I'm relaxing, like my body needs that time in order to. Re- regenerate my creativity it I, I need to you know just re-energize myself and you're taking care of yeah, physical needs as well like your body mm-hmm. needs sleep it's a, it's that same thing mm-hmm. uh of of unique humans need time to do nothing so that they can be more successful later on oh. that is my theory That's- just like crops there you have it. Oh, I'm naming my baby Fallow. If I have <laughs> my baby, will have to be have scheduled nothingness. Thank you, Mama Morris. Thank you, yes. Emily Morris, because that I know. I have no idea her. why. Like, it's not like she's a farm. Like, it's not like she came oh, she's from not a farmer. A farmer family. No, oh. I have no idea how she <laughs> knew about this, but she yeah. was trying to console me because I was like, I'm not doing anything, because yeah. uh, I always feel like I'm not doing enough. Yeah. That's I, I could be doing twenty billion things, and I'm like, I'm not doing enough. <laughs> Well, even when I read your IMDb, I was like, MK, what the hell? Also, uh, it like- looks more impressive than I, I mean, no, that's not true. I did work on all of those things, but I mean, yeah. it just, it looks whatever. I'm not going to say anything. Yeah. You know what? It's a couple times during the conversation. It's so interesting because you're like, yeah, but I think I'm just lucky. Or like, I think this, and I'm like, no, I actually think you are just that impressive. And that's fucking oh, great. I know. It's just hard. I don't know why it's so fucking uncomfortable to get compliments. What is that? No, which is so silly because I'm always like, just take a compliment. And I cannot. I am bad. I turtle my way into (laughs) my center whenever I'm complimented with I oh which is so bad. And that's after like specifically trying to work on getting compliments. I'm it's I will after shows, I'll hide. I a hundred percent after a show, um, I will hide <laughs> until the audience leaves to like avoid anyone coming up and being like, "Good show." Yeah. Yes. Oh, is it? Can I ask? Okay, so in a compliment, someone gives you a compliment, and then there there's your reaction, right? And so for me, yes. getting the compliment isn't as uncomfortable as the expectation of the reaction afterwards. For me, if you said, hey, you did a great job, my anxiety is in, oh my God, I need to appropriately make them feel like uh, that I'm grateful for them giving me a compliment. And I feel like I will never be able to say thank you enough. So I'd rather not. It's like when someone gives you a gift. I hate opening gifts in front of people because I don't know if I'm able to perform gratitude as much as I actually feel it inside. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Totally. And my my go-to, rather than, like, thanking people, rather than, like, accepting the compliment, is just like, oh, well, thank you so much for coming out. I'm so glad that you enjoyed yourself. Your reaction is just a compliment to them back. So you're like, yeah, oh, no, just you like, oh, God, you're so good at, at laughing. Yeah. <laughs> thank God. Oh, I'm trying to, like, if someone says it, I try and say, thank you. I really appreciate that. Or thank you. That's so kind of you. And then I'm trying to let myself, first of all, just like 
sit with that discomfort of me feeling like, oh, maybe they maybe they feel uh, deflated, like I didn't make them feel good enough for giving me a compliment. <laughs> so I just sit in that shit, which I hate. But then the other part of it is like, God knows I'm not absorbing that compliment. I remember one time I got a compliment and my partner afterwards was like, absorb that. Like, that was great. Like, just breathe that in. Like, take a few breaths and just say that compliment a couple times to yourself. And it's like, I need to absorb it because if someone said, hey, you're a piece of shit, I would absorb that like water. Like, I would take that totally. Right in. So totally. Which like, how messed up is that? That we're trained to like be able to just, yeah, be sponges to negativity. Yeah. Oof. Well, I know. It's just another thing for our next therapy session. It really is. I'm just so excited. <laughs> I have so much material. You know? I know. I'm I'm so glad that I've I've given you so much therapy material. Uh, <laughs> Even listeners feel- by this point of time are like, oh God. <laughs> no, you know what? I gotta call my mom. I know it. If you are coming into listening to a podcast that I have any part of, it's probably gonna turn into fucking therapy. <laughs> Oh, thank you so much, MK. This was like such a dream. And I might take you up on being an accountability buddy, the next goal I make. Honestly, yeah, I love it. I, yeah, I I have people send me stuff all the time because especially now I'm not doing anything like (laughs) I feel like MK. I told myself I would do this by Friday. So can you text me on Thursday? That's so sweet. Well, and if you need totally, I will totally do that for you. I love, I love being an accountability buddy. Oh, do you, uh. Do you watch Real Housewives of Beverly Hills? I do not. <laughs> okay, scrap this. But there's an accountability coach on there. So I was just going to make oh. All my references are from, like, reality TV. Like, not <laughs> not very highbrow. It's fine. I have a lot of material for therapy, not a lot of material for comedy writing. So we'll work on that. <laughs> <laughs> 